Your, uh, your Bible's with me to uh, Colossians chapter number 1. <coughs> and Colossians chapter one, number 1, and uh, we'll start reading in verse 5, and as soon as you find it, if you'd stand for the reading of God's Word. And in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it reads, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... Where have ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, did not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all your might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight, Lord, and we thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to learn from your word this evening, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to us tonight. I pray that, Lord, you'd uh, fill us all with your spirit so that we may receive your word, Lord. And I pray that you'd fill me with your power. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The gospel is the most powerful message in our world today. The gospel is the most powerful message this world has ever known. Sure, there's been some great uh, messages, some great causes, some, some great speeches in our world before. There have been presidents in time past who have given great speeches that have motivated the people of this country. Uh, there have been great causes in the past where people have been caused to move to, to help maybe the poor or, or uh, the disease or whatever it might be. There have been great causes. There have been great messages in the past. But the gospel message is the most powerful message that we have ever had. This, this message from God that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins It's the most powerful message this world has ever known. And we can read throughout the Bible. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. In Matthew 28, 18 it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And this gospel is the power of God. This gospel is the most powerful message that this world has ever known. And God has changed our lives through this gospel as well. Through the gospel, God has saved us from an eternity in hell. Through this gospel, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He, he suffered and died and rose again the third day for our sins. And this message God has used, He came and died on the cross for us. And with this powerful message, He has changed so many lives. But this, this passage in Colossians, 
it speaks about more than just the salvation that the gospel brings, that Jesus will bring through the gospel. But it speaks of more than just the power of gospel of the Lord through the gospel and salvation. But it speaks of something more than that. If you look in verse 6, it says, Which is come unto you, which in the verse before it says of the gospel. And speaking of the gospel, it says, Which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. And here uh, Paul is talking to the church at Colossae. And he says, As it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. So it's continuing to bring forth fruit in their lives, even though they are saved at this time. Paul says that it's continuing to bring forth fruit in their lives. It's, there, there's more to the gospel, there's more to God's working in our lives than just salvation. There's more to, uh, the, to this power that God is working than just saving us from sin. It's more than just justifying us and forgiving us. But here in this passage, it's talking about our sanctification in Christ. It's talking about God's continuing work in our lives, more than just saving us from sin, but conforming us to the image of Christ. It's more than just the the power that God has used to transform our lives from being dead in sin to being alive in Christ, but now God is working in us and conforming us to the image of Christ. And we can see in this passage that the, the gospel is a powerful message that brings more than just salvation but brings sanctification in our lives. But can I ask a question tonight? Has the gospel been changing your life since your salvation? Or have you just been content in the initial change in salvation, content that, hey, I don't have to go to hell. Hey, I, I have my sins forgiven. I, I don't need to worry about that anymore. Or, like the apostles writing here, do you have that continued fruit in your life? Is there that work of sanctification? Is that process of sanctification going on in your life today? Have you just been content with that initial change of salvation? Or do you want that continuing change of sanctification that God will bring through the gospel in your life? And tonight I'd like to share that with you. I'd like to share with you the three fruits of sanctification that God will bring through the gospel in our lives. The three fruits that I believe are in this passage that we can see that the Apostle is writing to this church and how we can learn from this as well. And in verse 9 it says in the text, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that she might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I believe the first fruit that we can have produced in our life, this fruit of sanctification, is that we can... The, the fruit of seeing God's will. In seeing God's will, just like in the verse it says, uh, do not cease to pray for you that, uh, and to desire that she might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God has a plan, a purpose, a desire. God has a perfect will for each and every one of us. God, God has a perfect will that he wants to bring forth in our lives. God God has a desire to use each and every one of us. God has a desire to see his will and his work done through us. But many times we don't see that will. Many times we look away and we maybe want to do our own thing or, or follow our own desires, our own will in our lives. But God wishes that we all would see his will and follow his will. 
And, and a big part of God's will is making the right decisions in our lives. Making the decisions to follow God's will. Making the decisions to follow his leading in our life. And God wants us to make those right decisions. And not only that, but even in this passage it talks about how we should desire that others would see God's will as well. That not just that we would know God's will, but that everyone here this evening would know God's will. And, and that we would all follow God in our lives. And in this, in this verse, it, it gives us at least two ways that we can see God's will. The first way is through prayer. It says, For this cause also, since the day you heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. And we need to pray to see God's will. We do not have to worry about a single decision in our lives. I know I, I like to worry. I, I wish I didn't all the time. But I know many of us, we worry about decisions in our life. There may be some big decision coming up in our lives and we just, like everyone else, man, I've got to worry about this thing. I've got to, man, what, what decision am I going to make? Am I going to choose A or am I going to choose B? Or is there an option C that I don't know about? <laughs> what decision am I going to make? And we, like, we just worry and worry about decisions. But God, he clearly shows us that we do not have to worry about a single decision in our lives. We, we do not have to, answer, uh, have to worry because God has the answer to every problem that we might have. God has an answer to every decision we need to make. And we can trust in him and we don't need to worry about a single decision we need to make. In Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, be careful for nothing. And basically what that means is don't worry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And we, we can bring our requests to God. And not only that, but it says, But the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we can have the peace knowing that God is in control. That we don't have to worry about decision, but the decisions, but have the peace knowing that God is in control of it all. That, that, that peace can rule in our hearts if we trust in him. And if we bring those things to him in prayer. And many times we might have these decisions, but we even fail to ask. It says in James 4, it says, Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet have not, because ye ask not. But then the next verse it says, Ye ask and receive not. Because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Sure, sometimes we might ask and pray, man, I'm going to pray and ask God to, to give me the answer to, these, to this decision, to this, this conflict I have in my life. So you pray and ask, well, dear Lord, I, I know I haven't had a job for a few months now, but Lord, please give me that job that, that I want. The job. I, I know, I mean, I've been working at this job, trying to get this job, and Lord, it's just, it's not coming through, but Lord, please give me this job. And you know, sometimes it's not wrong to pray like that. But many times we pray to consume it upon our own lusts. We, we pray wanting our will in our life. We say, well, this job, it looks like this job will work out. It looks like this job is the right answer. But many times God will work in a completely different way. That we would have never thought, that, that it works out so much better than we could have imagined. And we need to pray for God's will to be done. And pray for God's direction in our life and not just our own will and our own direction and, and trusting our own instincts, but letting God lead us and guide us. And we can come to God in prayer 
And we, come, we can come to him confident that he will show us his will if we ask. And not only will God show us his will through prayer, but God will also help us to see his will through the Spirit. In verse 9 in the text it says, uh, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. God, he works through prayer, and God will answer our prayers, but God will also work through his spirit in our life. Since the day of each and every one of your salvation, you were given a gift. I was given a gift when I was saved. Each and every one of us were, were given the gift of the Holy Ghost in our lives. When we were saved, God sealed us with his spirit. And he gave us this, this spirit as a promise to us that he would redeem us. That God would not forget us. He would not leave us, but he would redeem us when we die or when he comes back uh, to take us home. And we have this spirit that not only is a promise to us, but the spirit is a guide to us. It directs us. God, God leads us. And guides us in our decisions if we seek his leading and his guidance in our lives. And God will help us to see his will through his spirit in our lives. If you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it's a, it's a great passage. It just speaks about how um, God speaks to us and leads us through his spirit in our lives. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, I'll begin reading in verse... Number 10. In 1 Corinthians 2.10 it says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. And we can see here in this passage that, let's go down to verse 12 as well. It says, Now ye have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. And we can see in this passage that it shows us that the Holy Spirit will work and guide us in things that we might not understand, in things that we we won't be able to understand. But God's Holy Spirit will lead us and help us to make those decisions and and who will guide us if we're willing to um, to, to follow his leading. I mean, God could show us great things, but if we're not willing to follow it, it's pretty much worthless. If God shows us these great things out of his word and and through prayer, but we don't follow it, it's all but worthless to us. It's it's all but pointless for God to even show us those truths if we don't follow them. And God's Holy Spirit will guide us and and lead us. And God will lead us many times through his word. And, And the Holy Spirit will reveal his word And this living book, he will bring it to life to us and guide us and help us making the right decisions. I don't know how many times I've read God's word. And when I've had a decision to make or I've had a trial or or something in my life, and I've opened God's word and read it, it doesn't matter where it was. I mean, I just opened to where I was regular reading in my devotions or whatever it is. But God would have the answer to that problem right there. I mean, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to pick a better passage to, to find the answers to God's, uh, to, to my life, the answers to the problems in my life. But because God's Holy Spirit led me through the, His Word and led me and guided me, it's, it's just incredible how God will guide us and lead us in his, through His Word. It says in Psalm 119, 18, 
Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And God will show us wondrous things out of his law. God will guide us and he'll lead us with his spirit, guiding us through his word and helping us to make the right decisions in our life. And God, he will work through prayer and through his spirit to help us to see his will in our life. But not only that, I believe a second fruit that, God, that the work of sanctification will bring forth in our lives is not only to help us to see God's will, but it'll help us to seek a worthy walk. In verse 10 in the text in Colossians 1, it says, that she might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Once we begin to see God's will, and once we make, begin to make these decisions following God's will, once we begin praying and asking for the Lord to lead us, and as we follow his leading in our lives, then here comes the seeking a worthy walk. Here comes more than just taking a step, but walking in what God has led us to. We need to strive to be consistent in following God's revealed will in our life. As God begins to guide us and helps us to see his will, we then need to be consistent in following God's will. Now, if, if I was to be standing here, and let's just say somebody told me I need to walk over to the piano, and I'm standing here and I say, okay, okay, I'll walk, I'll walk to the piano. So I take one step and say, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm making great progress. I'm getting there. And I just kind of stand here for a while and don't do anything. Now, they told me to go to the piano, and I, I took a step towards the piano, but I, I didn't continue on going to the piano. And many times God will lead us. He'll say, I want you to do this. And he'll lead us to that decision. And we'll, we'll make an initial step. We'll say, okay, and we, we take one step. But then we don't continue on following God's will. We, we think we've, we've killed the fatted calf because we made this decision. But we don't continue on in that. We don't continue following God's will. We make that initial decision to follow it, but then we kind of are content with that initial change. We're not willing to continue on following God's will. And the key is we need to be consistent in following God's will and not just, just being content with just taking that first step, but not being content with that, but continuing on and following on in God's will. And in how we can seek to have a worthy walk in our lives well, first off, um, we need to be consistent in pleasing the Lord. In verse 10 it says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And we need to please the Lord in our lives. We need to be consistent in pleasing the Lord and walking in our lives being pleasing to God. Now, I was thinking, I was like, I was trying to find passages. I was trying to find where, where the Bible talked about pleasing the Lord, how we could please the Lord in our lives. And I found this one passage, and I found it. I was like, oh, this is a good passage, but it doesn't really apply to everybody. So I'll read it to you. It's Colossians 3.20. It says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, I saw it. I was like, man, it's a great passage, but, it, I mean, we're not all kids. <laughs> so how, how do we please the Lord? And I began to look at this, and I began to think, well, if, if the Lord is pleased with children obeying the authority in their life, then wouldn't God be pleased if we obeyed the authorities in our life? 
if we follow the authorities that God has put in our lives, because I know none of us are president of the world, so we all have some kind of authority in our life. We all have somebody above us, maybe at our workplace, or maybe wherever it might be, but we all have somebody above us that we, we need to be in subjection to. And in 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And I believe this is pleasing to the Lord if we are just subject and submit to one another and obey the authorities in our life. And we're not just thinking we're all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> if we're thinking that we are something big, that we're God's gift to man. But if we submit ourselves and live a humble life, and obey those that have the rule over us. If we live that kind of life, that's pleasing to the Lord. Because God has put those authorities in our life. And if we follow those authorities, it will please the Lord. Just like if, our, if the children obey the parents, that's pleasing to the Lord. If the adult obeys the boss, that too is pleasing to the Lord. And we need to walk and be consistent in pleasing the Lord. But not only that, but we need to be consistent in being fruitful, consistent in being fruitful, it says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And we need to be bringing forth fruit in our life. And if you turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 15, John chapter 15, and it's another passage, a a pretty common passage, just talking about being fruitful and bearing fruit in our lives. And in John chapter 15, beginning in verse number 4, it it reads, John 15 and verse number 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And we can see here that the key to being fruitful in our lives is abiding in Christ. Abide in me, and I in you. And we need to abide in Christ. We have, need to have a consistent walk with God in order to be fruitful in our lives. If we neglect our walk, if we neglect reading our Bibles and praying, if we neglect spending time coming to church and fellowshipping with other believers and worshiping God, if we neglect these things in our life, we won't have fruit in our life. We'll have a dead, a, a barren life. And, and what the, the verses said was that God would cast us forth. He'd, he'd cut us off and throw us away. He'd burn us up. He wouldn't use us if we neglect our walk with Him. Because without Him, we can do nothing. We, we can only bear fruit as God, as we're in a relation to our relationship with Christ. And we need to walk with God. And, and as we walk with God, I believe that we'll be able to see that fruit in our lives, in our attitudes and our actions. God will bring forth fruit in our attitudes and actions in our life. God will bring forth fruit in our, our attitudes. Uh, just if you looked at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
these are attitudes that we need in our lives. And the closer we get to God, the more loving we'll be, the more joyful we'll be, the more peace we'll have, the more long-suffering and good and gentle we'll be. We'll be more faithful and, and meek and temperate as we grow closer to the Lord. And we'll have those fruits in our life. We'll have that fruit abounding in our life as we grow closer to the Lord. But not only that, but I believe fruit will bring, will bring forth fruit through our actions. And I believe the closer you grow to the Lord, the closer you walk with the Lord, the, the more you spend time with the Lord, I believe the more you'll have a desire and a burden to tell others. The more burden and desire you'll have to, to share that same joy and relationship you have with God, you'll want to share that with others. You'll want to spend time in it and just telling others of the joy in the relationship they can have with Christ. Of the forgiveness that you have, of the joy you have, of the direction and guidance you have, the peace you have. As you grow closer to God, a natural outgrowth of that relationship will be to tell others of that same God that can do the same thing for their lives. And it just be a natural outgrowth to bring forth fruit in being a witness for Christ. And not just having those attitudes in our own lives, but reaching out to others to see that same fruit brought forth in their lives. And I believe God wants to bring forth and we, fruit in our lives and we need to be consistent in bringing forth fruit in our lives and abiding in Christ and, and being consistent in our daily walk with God. And not just coming to church once a week or twice a week to be fed, to grow in the Lord, but every day abiding in Christ. And God will bring forth fruit in our lives if we abide in Christ. And also, we need to be consistent not only in, in bearing fruit and not only consistent in pleasing the Lord, but we also need to be consistent in increasing in the knowledge of God. And it says at the end of verse 10, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And I know I probably don't need to tell you all this, but we all need to be Bereans. And I know you've, you've all heard messages on it, and I know it's, it's a verse, a common verse that we probably all know pretty well. And we need to be Bereans. We need to search the scriptures daily. We need to be diligent students of the word of God. And it, we need to increase in the knowledge of God and be consistent at growing in the knowledge of God. And not just be content to, to come to a church service once, twice, maybe three times a week to, to hear and to learn from God's word. But like it says of the Bereans, they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. And they searched the scriptures. They, they took the messages that they heard from their pastor. They took the messages that they heard and they studied them out and made sure that they were God's word. And, and they studied out God's word for themselves to see God's word and the truths in it. And they increased in the knowledge of God. It says in 2 Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now there's a key word in there that says a workman. And that just proves that study not always is easy. Study sometimes is work. Study sometimes is, is not easy, it's not fun, it's not pleasing. Sometimes it's hard work to study. But God, he wants us to study, to show ourselves approved unto him. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. We need to study so we won't be ashamed of anyone that asks, asks of the hope that lies within us. And we need to study and be a student of God's word. And we need to be consistent in that area of our lives. 
And then finally tonight, a final fruit I see. We need to have the fruit of seeing God's will, a fruit of seeking a worthy walk, and then finally, we need to have the fruit of striving for a strengthened work. And in verse 11, it says, Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Now, each and every one of us, we have a journey. We have, we have a path in front of us. Some have more time than others on that, that path of life. But we all have a journey that God has put us on. We all have a, a, a run, a, a marathon that we're running. And sometimes it's not always easy and it's not always fun. Sure, when you start running on a race, you're like, oh, this is fun, man. I get to run in this race. And then after a couple miles, you start getting tired. You start wearing out. You start thinking, when is this going to be over? And it just drags on and on. And you think sometimes it's just impossible for me to keep going on in this race, in this life. It's just, there's so many trials and, and troubles and so many things going on in my life. I just don't know how I can continue to go on. But the thing is, is we can remember, we need, to, we need to remember that there is a reward if we keep going, if we're faithful to the end. And in Galatians 6, 9, it says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If we don't give up, there is a reward. We will reap if we faint not. And it's God that will give us the strength to carry on. It's God that will strengthen and help us. Just like in the verse it says, according to his glorious power. And he will strengthen us. God will strengthen us. God will enable us. God will help us through our lives to live for him, to be consistent, to see his will, to continue on for him. And God will help us to see and to follow his will in our lives. And we need to to rely on God's strength in our lives in several areas, and just in this passage, it says we need, to, we need to be strengthened unto all patience. Now, to be honest with you all, I don't like to wait. A lot of times I just want to get going, do my thing. I mean, traffic, I hate traffic. I don't want to wait in traffic. I just want to go to where I'm going and get done with it. And I know, I know Dalton probably knows too, working in and out, you run into a lot of impatient people. You run into a lot of people that don't want to wait either, and they'll let you know um, in a few choice words that they don't want to wait. And uh, I just know so many times, I mean, usually the wait in and out is like five to seven minutes, something like that. And people will ask me, they'll see a long line, and they'll ask me, so how long's the wait? Say, it's probably around five, seven minutes. And uh, they'll look at me with this shocked look on my face. I mean, there's like 15 people in line, but they're just shocked that it's that long, and they'll just walk out all mad and won't get a burger. And it's like, okay, it's your, your loss, I guess. But we, we live in a society that just can't wait. I mean, we live in a society that just doesn't want to wait, that just wants to, to get on with their lives. God forbid if they have to wait more than five minutes to download something on their computers. I mean, it's just, they, they need to have everything now. And we've totally lost the, the, the concept of patience in our society today. But sometimes God wants us to wait. Sometimes God requires us to wait. And we need to be patient and wait on the Lord. And sometimes we don't understand why we have to wait or how long we have to wait. Any of that, we just want to get going and get on with our lives. But God, sometimes, he'll have us wait to help complete us, to help make us what he wants us to be. 
And if you turn in your Bibles with me to James chapter number 1, it tells us and shows us how that God wants to do, complete his work in us. He wants to complete us and make us into his image. And he'll use patience to do that work. And in James chapter number 1, and starting in verse 2, in James 1, 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And we can see here, that word perfect, it means to complete, to be complete, to be finished. And, and, and wanting nothing, it means that you don't need anything else. That's all you need. And God, he wants to work. He makes us wait. He makes us learn patience so that he can complete us. So that maybe there's something in that trial, maybe there's something when we need to wait, that God wants to teach us. And God wants to complete us and form us and conform us to the image of Christ. And we need to learn to be patient and let God strengthen us to be patient. And God, he's promised to strengthen us to be patient. In Psalm 27, 13, and 14, it says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Sometimes we just feel like nothing good could come out of this. Sometimes we feel like there's no good in this at all. But we need to remember all the good things God has done for us. Remember the goodness and believe that God is doing something good in our lives, even at this time in our lives. And we can remember that God, he's promised to strengthen our hearts, to help us to wait and be patient on him. And God has promised to, be, to help us to be patient. But not only that, but I think another step past patience is, it says, and it will strengthen us into all patience and long-suffering. And long-suffering. I guess the easiest way to define long-suffering is if you flip the word around. Suffering long. And it's, it's more than just being patient, but it's being patient while suffering. It's suffering a long time, <laughs> just like the word says. And we need to be patient even in the trials even in the problems, even in the hard times in our life. We need to be patient and long-suffering in those times. And Christ, he's our perfect example of being long-suffering. In 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 16, it says, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. And Christ, he showed forth all long-suffering in the life, in the death, in the resurrection he gave to us. Jesus Christ, he died on the cross. He spent hours on the cross. He spent hours before that in intense just beatings and, and so much he suffered for us. And he didn't have to suffer a single moment of it. He could have just left. He could have called, like the song says, 10,000 angels. But he didn't. He suffered long for us. And he's an example to us to suffer long as well. To suffer long and just as God strengthened, uh, just as Jesus was strengthened to suffer long, he will strengthen us to suffer long as well. And we not only need to be patient and we not only need to be long-suffering, but it says in this passage that we need to do these things with joyfulness. We need to be joyful in these things. 
It says, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Now, there is a big difference between being patient and being joyfully patient. I mean, you can wait and you can just grudgingly, okay, I, I guess I'll wait. I guess I'll just, I'll just go through it, I guess, if I have to. Or you can be joyful in that. Or you can have the joy of the Lord in that. Because as we've seen, God is doing a work in us. He's completing us. He's making us perfect and complete and entire, wanting nothing. And we can have joy in knowing, you know what? In this trial, God is doing something in my life. Even though it's hard at this time, God is working in my life. And you can have joy knowing God is working in your life. Even though you have to be patient, even though you have to suffer long, God is still working in your life. God is doing something great, and we can have the joy of the Lord in it. In Philippians, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And in 1 Thessalonians, it says, rejoice evermore. And we need to rejoice not only in the good times, but also in the hard times, even through the trials, even through through the tribulations. But we have a reason why we can be joyful in those times, because God is doing a work in us. He is completing us, he's sanctifying us, and forming us into his image. And we can have joy in that, and we can thank the Lord for all he's done for us. We can thank the Lord that he is working in us. We can thank him, it says, uh, give thanks in everything. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And even in the hard times, we can thank God, because he's doing a work in our lives. And in verse 12 in the text, it says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us... Meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And we can give thanks for all that God has done for us. He's saved us. He's blessed us. He's provided for us. He, he's allowed us to be born in a country like this. He's allowed us to have the blessings like we've had in our lives. And we can thank the Lord for all he's done for us. And we need to be thankful and joyful even in the hard times. And to close, salvation... It, was only the beginning of God's working in our life. He has so much more in store for us than just redeeming us. But he wants to change and sanctify and complete us and form us into his image so that when we are glorified, we'll be like him. And God wants to work that work of sanctification in our lives. He wants us to see his will. And he wants us to follow on and walk that worthy walk following his will. And he also wants us to strive to be strengthened so that we can carry on in his will as we walk on in this life. And we need to have this fruit produced in our lives so that we can be more like Christ. So I leave you with this question. Have you been bringing forth that fruit of sanctification in your life tonight? Have you been bringing that forth in your life? And I just would like to leave with this. Would you... Would you Allow the Lord, would you seek to have the Lord bring forth that fruit in your life? Would you seek to see his will and to follow his will and be strengthened to do his will? And I know if you do that, the Lord will bless. He will conform you to his, to his image. And I know you'll see great blessings and have great joy in it if you do so. And with that, let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for your word and uh, for just the... Uh, uh, the great blessing it is to have your word, to have your truth, Lord, to, to have all the answers to all of our problems, Lord, to, to have all the, the guiding and leading that we might need in our lives. 
And uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to continue on in that work of sanctification in our lives, to bring forth that fruit, Lord, for your honor and glory. I pray that you'd help us to keep this message in our hearts. And we praise you and thank you for it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.